Welcome to the online sermons at King Street Church. Feel free to listen or watch online at kingstreetchurch.com. We're located at 162 East King Street in the heart of Chambersburg, PA, and would love to see you in person at one of our five Sunday services at 8.15, 9.45, or 11 a.m. We certainly hope you enjoy this morning's message. Hey, we're in the story, church. We are in the story. I love that we have the opportunity to gather every Sunday to celebrate the gospel. Everything that Pastor Nathan has just been singing about and leading us in as he's prepared these worship songs, it's all about the gospel, the story of good news that we serve uh, a great God, a holy God, a righteous God, a loving God, but that we are fallen desperately in need of a rescuer, a saver, savior, a deliverer, that we need help. And yet Jesus, and then Jesus, came into this world to give us hope, to show us the way, to die for us, to give his life, to point us to, to the Father and to forgive us of all of our sin, and that we are called to respond in faith, right? To believe, to trust, to have this hope in our hearts that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. Church, that's the gospel, and that's why we're here today, and we are in the story that God is telling. We are part of God's redemptive plan to save the world. (laughs) My goodness, that is what today is all about. And I want to start with, uh, with John chapter 20 today. Would you turn with me to the 20th chapter of John? We continue to explore. In fact, today I'm really, really digging into uh, this theme for the year, life in his name. Not that we haven't these last couple of years. We've looked at our, our map to, to experience life. Who am I worshiping? Who is in my community and who am I serving? And then last week, we looked at some very specific uh, missional life marks. Hopefully, you have those in your wallet, and we'll continue to study those, talk about them, learn from them, 15 very practical evidences of our salvation and the fact that we're walking with Christ. But today, I want us to look at John chapter 20, and uh, as we do, I want to tell you that this is the most pivotal chapter ever written in the history of the world. That's a big statement, isn't it? But it's true. It's the most important, pivotal, transformative, significant chapter ever written in the whole Bible, in the whole world, in the history of the world. It's the account of the resurrection. You know, that's why we're here today, right? Sunday morning, It's why we're here today. You know, I was in youth ministry for about 20 years, worked with high school kids, and uh, I would stand in front of them, just like I am right here with you, high school students, and I would would ask them on a Sunday morning, Sunday school, how are you guys doing? And 87% of the time, I'm telling you, I did this for 20 years, 87% of the time, I got the same answer. How many of you know what they said? You're a group of high school students. How are you guys doing? No, they didn't say good. That wasn't the answer. No, okay, wasn't it? Uh Uh-uh, nope. What? Awesome? No, no. 
It was not awesome. Sunday morning, Sunday school. I wish it was awesome. You ready for that word? Tired. Bam. How you guys doing? I'm tired. And I would say the same thing on Sunday morning. I'd say, come on. We're here to celebrate a resurrection. Why are we in church? This is the question I would ask the high school students. And I would, eventually they'd catch on. And I'd ask them this question. And they'd give, they would tell me the answer that I at least was hoping they would give. I'd say, why are we here on a Sunday morning? And they would say, because Jesus rose from the dead on a Sunday. Why are we here today, church? On a Sunday morning. Woo! So how you doing? Awesome. Got it. And this chapter, John 20, is the account, the eyewitness account. John, who wrote these words, experienced this event. These are, these are his words. This is his testimony, corroborated by Peter and by Mary early on the first day of the week, Sunday morning. While it was still dark, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb. She saw that the stone had been removed from the entrance. Immediately, her heart is gripped with fear. Immediately. Fear. Because that fear was rooted in a, a belief that something had happened. She went to the tomb. She sees the stone is removed. So out of that fear, she, verse 2, comes running to Simon Peter and the other disciple. John never refers to himself in, in the first person. He calls himself the other disciple, the one Jesus loved, and said, they have taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we don't know where they have put him. So Peter and the other disciples started for the tomb. Let me just ask you, by the way, we'll get back to this, but what did they believe when they're running to the tomb? Both were running, but the other disciple outran Peter, reached the tomb first. He bent over, looked in at the strips of linen. Lying there, didn't go in. Then Simon Peter came along right behind him and went straight into the tomb. He saw the mm, strips of linen lying there, as well as the cloth that had been wrapped around his head. The cloth was still lying in its place, separate from the linen. Finally, the other disciple, John, who had gotten there first, went inside. He saw and, what's the next word? Believed. We'll get back to that. Parenthetically, John adds that they, the two of them, still didn't understand from scriptures that Jesus had to rise from the dead. Then the disciples went back to where they were staying. Now Mary stood outside the tomb weeping, crying. As she wept, she bent over to look into the tomb. I mean, she is just so overcome with grief and she sees two angels in white, seated where Jesus' body had been, one at the head, the other at the foot. They asked her, woman, why are you crying? 
They, third time she says that, have taken my Lord away. And I don't know where they have, what? Put him. At this, she turned around. She sees Jesus standing there. She didn't realize it was Jesus. He asked her, woman, why are you crying? Why, uh, who is it you're looking for? Thinking he was the gardener. She said, sir, if you have carried him away, if you're the they, <laughs> tell me where you have put him and I'll, I'll get him. Jesus said to her, one word, Mary. She turned around, turned toward him, cried out in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher, she obviously then reaches out to grab him. Jesus says, don't hold on to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father. Go instead to my brothers and tell them, I am ascending to, the, to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Mary went to the disciples with the news. I have seen the Lord. And she told them that he had said these things to her. Later that night, on the evening of the first day of the week, when the disciples were together, the doors locked for fear of the Jewish leaders. Jesus came, stood among them. He said, peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and his side. The disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. Again, Jesus said, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that, he breathed on them. Wow. If I only knew exactly what that meant. But he breathed on them. And he said, receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone's sins, their sins are forgiven. If you don't forgive them, they are not forgiven. Now, Thomas, also known as Didymus, one of the twelve, wasn't with the disciples when he came. So the other disciples said, we've seen the Lord. He said, Awesome. No, he didn't. He didn't say that. He said, I'm tired. <laughs> he, he said to them, unless I see the nail marks in his hands and put my fingers where the nails were and put my hands into his side, I will not, what? Believe. Seeing a theme? A week later, disciples in the house again. Thomas was with them this time. The doors again locked. Jesus came and stood among them. He walked right through the door. He said, peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, put your finger here. See my hands. Reach out your hand and put it in my side. Stop doubting, Thomas, and what? Believe. Thomas said to him, huge, listen to these words. My Lord and my don't underestimate the power of this next word. My what? My God. <laughs> my Lord and my God. Then Jesus told him, because you have seen me, you have what? Believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet believe. John then says, Jesus performed many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in this book. But these are written that you may, what? Believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God. And that by believing, 
you may have life in his name. These two verses are so important, so pivotal. In fact, I'm going to just give you several versions of it, just so you can see how this is translated. And, you know, there are very tr- various translations of the Greek. There's the NIV, New International Version, which tends to be a little more of a, of a, of a thought-for-thought translation. There is a translation many of us use, many of you use, called the ESV. It stands for English Standard Version. came out 10, 15 years ago. It's more of a word-for-word literal translation. And uh, it's almost exactly what uh, we read in the NIV. Now, Jesus did many other signs in the presence of the disciples, which are not written uh, in this book. But these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, Messiah, Christ, same idea, the anointed one, the long-awaited deliverer, the Son of God, and that by believing, you may have life in his name, almost exactly the same. How about we go back 400 years to the King James. The King James translated this. Many other signs truly did Jesus in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book, almost the same. But these are written that, here's the difference, ye, okay, ye, King James, you, might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing, ye might have life through his name, may, might, through, in, very similar. We look at the message translation. This is a very modern translation by a, a scholar and a pastor named Eugene Peterson. Again, from the Greek, Jesus provided far more God-revealing signs than are written down in this book. These are written down so that you will believe, so that you will believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that in the act of believing, it's called faith, <laughs> have real and eternal life in the way he personally revealed it. So this life points us to Jesus. And then just one more new living translation. The disciples saw Jesus do many other miraculous signs in addition to the, one, in addition to the ones recorded. These are written so that you may continue to believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing in him, you will have life by the power of his name. So... Why did I take that time? I wanted you to hear this over and over again. These two verses, so important and same basic train of thought, obviously, in each one written down. They're signs so that you will believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that through your belief, you may have life in his name. I want to say two things about these two verses today. Two points. Point number one. What we believe about Jesus matters. What we believe matters big time. And the second thing is this. What we believe about Jesus has the potential, and I I did choose those words carefully, because as you saw in all five translations, it was might or may or will But what we believe about Jesus has the potential to change our lives. So, let's take the first one. What we believe about Jesus matters. For God so loved, John 3.16, right? So loved the world that he gave his one and only son. 
that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. Are you continuing to hear this word believe? It's interesting, as you do a study of the four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Matthew has the Greek word believe eight times. He uses that word eight times. Mark, the next Gospel, uses the word believe 15 times. Luke uses the word believe nine times. Anyone want to venture a guess how many times John uses the word believe? You've already heard it in just these verses I've given you like eight or nine times. John actually uses the word believe 85 times. Wow. 85 times John comes back to this word, believe, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever, anyone, whoever believes, believes in him, shall not perish, but have eternal life. I'm going to ask this question. Believes what? Believes what? And the the huge clue to the answer to this question is right there in the passage I just read for you. When Mary got up that morning and she ran to the tomb or came to the tomb and she saw that Jesus' body wasn't there, what did she believe? Somebody stole his body. That he was still dead. Where have you put him? She's speaking of the Lord Jesus still as, a, as, as dead. Just a, a, a body. Where have you put him? Where has Jesus been put? That's what she believed. And yet, when he spoke her name, Mary. Faith was awakened in her heart. Master, teacher, Lord. And then we see in verses 8 and 9, as as Peter and John come in and, and see the evidence. See, they come with the same belief that Jesus has been stolen, and yet they enter into the tomb, and what do they see? They see the linen strips. They they basically say in those days that when someone would wrap a body in embalming kinds of ointments and and linen wrappings and goo, um, they would would wrap the body, and and all of this wrapping would weigh somewhere around 70 or 80 pounds. I mean, this was major to mummify the body. And yet they come in and they, and it's, you know, it's it's very, if, if he would had been there and thieves had come, would they have taken the time somehow to unwrap him and fold up the cloth? Another translation says that his head cloth was folded nearby. They, they look at this and the thought, dawn, the realization, they even say parenthetically, John says, I didn't come believing that. For up to this point, I hadn't even yet believed what the Old Testament had said about him. But when they saw I am really popping here. When they saw, I don't know, that's my, I'm not just patting my rear, and this is where the mic thing. When they saw, woo, woo. Sorry, this is such a serious moment. When they saw the, the linen strap strips, they what? What does it say? Believed. What did they believe? He's alive. 
If someone had stolen this body, they wouldn't have unwrapped him. Wait a minute, he's alive. (laughs) And then we see the disciples coming to believe that he was alive. And then Thomas, who wasn't there, what did Thomas come to do? Believe that he was alive, and then John just drives it home to us. I have written these things that you might, what, believe that he's alive. Our worship today, we worship today based on the belief that Jesus is alive, that he is God, and that he loves me. For God so loved the world. Church, this is the, this is the truth that we base everything on. We are a worshiping community. We are the church of the living God. We gather today because of the gospel. Because God loves us sinners so much that Jesus gave his life so that we might believe. And this belief, second point, has the potential to change our lives. Again, I say potential. These are written that you believe, that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah and that by believing you might have life in his name. How does believing that Jesus is alive, that he's God and that he loves me, how does believing this change the way I live? How does this give me life? And I'm gonna use an illustration I'm going to mention again my niece, Christy, and her son, my great nephew, Ethan. One of the reasons I want to put their picture up there again today is to tell you that Ethan had a a horrible week. He went in on Monday morning for more antibody treatments. If you don't know, he, back in March, uh, was diagnosed with neuroblastoma for the last 10 months. He's been battling this. He's gotten through chemo, radiation, surgeries. Everything has gone well. They're now in this last phase of what's called antibody treatments, which quite honestly have been the most brutal of all of this whole journey. And they gave him this heavy dose of this treatment on Monday, and he reacted to it. He had a reaction. And it shut him down. It shut his lungs down. They had to rush him into NICU. They put him on a ventilator. That wasn't enough. They put him on an oscillator. He was literally teetering on life and death Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday of this week. Praise be to God. He turned a corner on Thursday and Friday. Thank you, Jesus. Yes, he did. Many of you continue to pray. You know the story. You're watching. But he was taken off the ventilator yesterday. So I I just keep praying for little Ethan and, and Brian, dad, and Christy. But just to think about Christy, my niece. Here's a picture of Ethan and Christy. And as I ask this question, what does believing in Jesus, that he is alive, that he is the son of, that he is God, and that he loves me. How does that affect the way I live? And as I thought about Ethan and Christy, I ask again this question, what difference does it make for Ethan to know that Christy loves him dearly, is always with him, and will do everything in her power to care for him? What difference does that make to Ethan? I'm going to say the answer is all the difference. To know that his mom and his dad, but Christy, loves him dearly. Her heart is always with him, and physically almost always. And that she will do anything, everything in her power to care for him. 
to save him, to deliver him, to, to, to be with him, to bring him life, to sustain him, everything. So let's, let's change that now to us with God. What difference can it make for us to know that Jesus loves us dearly, that he is God and in absolute control, and that he is doing everything in his power, oh, which by the way, he has all power, to care for us. What difference does that make? It makes all the difference. Again, the question, how does believing that Jesus is alive, that he's God and that he loves me, change the way I live? That's my question to us today. How does this change the way I live? Pop, pop, pop. Turn with me to Matthew chapter 6. Here's how I'm going to apply this. I'm going to land this plane right here. I'm going to land this plane, this question of how, does, how do I gain life in the name of Jesus every day as I live my life? How do I gain life? What does that look like? And this is what Jesus said in verse 25 and following of Matthew 6. Therefore, red letters, Jesus talking to us, I tell you, do not worry about your life. So here you go. Ready? Point one. Stop worrying. Stop worrying. Pastorally, I'm not up here saying, oh, what a good idea to not worry. No, no. You know what I'm saying? Stop worrying. Stop it. You're not experiencing the life that Jesus wants you to have. Stop worrying about your life, what you'll eat, what you drink, your body, what you'll wear, all the stuff of this world. Look at the birds. Jesus is taking, the Father's feeding them. Aren't they much more valuable? Aren't you more valuable than they? Can any one of you, by worrying at a single hour to your life, why do you worry about your clothes? Look at the flowers. Solomon in all his glory isn't dressed like the flowers of the field. If that's how God clothes the grass of the field, which are here today and tomorrow thrown in the fire, will he not much more clothe you, you of full faith? Boom, bang. Faith. And this is, this is where I bring it back to Ethan. It's just embedded in his little heart that his mom loves him and his dad, Brian, that his parents love him, that they're with him. And I guarantee you at his tender little age of almost two, he knows that he knows that he knows that they will do everything in their power to care for him. They know it. He knows it. And I'm going to tell you, even though he is walking through the fire, he's experiencing life. Life. Stop worrying, as we see in Matthew 25 through 34. But look at verse 33. Here's the other piece of the equation. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. So there's, there's the, the, the negative piece, stop it. And there's the positive piece, which is what? Look up. Look up and believe. 
I shared this passage with you a couple of weeks ago out of Colossians that Jesus is alive, that Jesus is God, and that Jesus loves us. So if you're serious about living this new resurrection life with Christ, act like it. Don't shuffle along, eyes to the ground, absorb with the things right in front of you. Look up, be alert to what's going on around Christ. That's where the action is. See things from his perspective. Your old life is dead. Your new life, which is your real life, even though invisible to spectators, is with Christ in God. He is your life. I'm going to tell you right now, for the apostles, for the disciples, for Mary, oh, when they grasped the reality of the resurrection, when they believed that Jesus was alive, that he was God, and that he loved them, it changed their lives. One more verse, Romans chapter 10. Romans chapter 10. Pop back in. 50 pages or so to Romans chapter 10. I'll close with this. This is how important this is. Verse 8, I'll start with 8. What does it say? The word is near you, it's in your mouth, it's in your heart. That is the message concerning faith that we proclaim. Here you go, you listening? If you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord. If you believe it, say it with me. If you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord. And believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you, what? Believe. Believe what? That Jesus is alive, that he's God, and that he loves me. If you believe with your heart, you are justified, for it is with your mouth that you profess faith and are saved. Lord Jesus, we know that you are here right now, right here with us. You are the word of God, and you are with us, around us. We're hearing it. It's in our hearts. So Jesus, right now, we reaffirm to you, most of us, maybe there is someone right now listening over in the sanctuary, here in Baker, online, right now listening and saying, yes, I believe. I believe, I believe, Jesus, that you're alive. I believe that you're God. I believe that you love me. I believe that you hold me. I believe that you take care of me. I believe that you're always with me. I believe that I am your child. I believe that I don't have to worry. I believe, Jesus, that you are my Savior, my rescuer. I believe. And that by believing, Lord Jesus, I have life in your name. I don't have to worry. I don't. So Jesus, I seek first your kingdom. I seek your righteousness. Seek you. We hope I you enjoyed this morning's message. If you have any comments or questions, feel free to name. contact us Amen. using our online Let's... form on our website at kingstreetchurch.com or by calling us here at 717-264-4651 during our regular business hours. 
Be sure to stop by and see us in person at one of our five Sunday morning services, 8.15 a.m., 2 at 9.45 a.m., as well as 2 at 11 a.m. We look forward to seeing you there.